nice. Impart no, partial. He's partial, not impartial to me. So that's good. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the opportunity to be up here. I don't take it lightly. And I appreciate all you guys being here. Thanks for coming out. Church is something special. And we can't forget that. We can't forget that the coming, what does it say? We can't forsake the gathering together of believers. It's important. And if, it's, if it says that, if God told us that, then we just have to believe that. So coming here and showing up and bringing what each one of us brings to the body is important. So I'm bringing what I have. Are you bringing what you have? Yes. Well, that was pretty weak. Are you bringing what you have this morning? Yes. Because it's not always up to the person that's just up in the front. Did you know that? Some of you did. Well, if you didn't know that, it, it's not all up to the person up front. It's up to the pull that you do with your spirit in, in, the fa- in your own faith and what you draw out of the person that's up here, whether it's me or Pastor Cam or any of, this, any of the speakers we know and love. So I'm expecting you to do your part today because I truly believe that the Holy Spirit has a message for us all. And yes, it's a message that I might think it's one thing in my head, but he can speak something completely good and different to you. And then over here, he can speak something completely different and alive and fresh to you. So, I'm expecting something good today, even for myself. You all agree you're expecting something for yourself? It's okay to be a little greedy when it comes to the Word of God and and something he has for us. So we want to get it all, right? Jesus, we welcome you here this morning. Holy Spirit, we make place for you. We thank you for being, for being light and life to us. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, that with this message, you would open the eyes of our understanding. That we would be able to see clearly and hear clearly what you are saying to us right now. We tune into you. We get on your wavelength, your frequency, and we just, oh, we're thankful. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for meeting us. Thank you for being in this place. Thank you for the freedom we have to come and do this and to be with you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, he is real. Oh, he is real. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, whew. Thank you, Jesus. So, I'm going to, I am going to kind of continue. It, you know, it's been almost like pretty much exactly five months uh, since I, since I uh, gave you guys the last message when I was up here. And, and that was just pop quiz. Does anyone remember what it was? What kind of the title was? Besides Ryan. Keener, you're keener, you. <laughs> well, it was hashtag relationship goals. Now, I, I don't have time to teach everyone what a hashtag is again. I mean, I barely keep up with these things myself. But if you need to, it, that message is on the website. So if you want to go back, that would help you to get caught up. But um, I'm gonna, I want to review a little bit. But I just felt like I just felt like there was more to be said about this. And so I... So I said, let's do it, Jesus. Let's just see what you have. So just in a quick review of hashtag relationship goals, relationship goals, there is a definition for it. And it's an inspirational term for what you'd like your relationship with someone 
to be like or accomplish together. So last time when I was here, I brought a few examples that we, that we looked at together and like Ryan and I happened to accidentally get matching runners and we had a picture of it and we're like, hashtag relationship goals, matching runners. See, that's silly, I know. But there was other ones like, like growing old together. There was two old people and one had a shirt, I'm with Jan and the, and the other, the lady had a shirt that said, I'm Jan and they're growing old together. <coughs> that's a relationship goal for some people. And granted, online relationship goals are fairly um, superficial, or they can be very easily made up or fake, or like, because we don't know what's behind the picture. Like, it's just a picture. It could have been set up. It, couldn't have, it, could have, it might not even be real. And, and quite often, quite, they're quite shallow. But the one who created relationship with whom it all began is our Father God. And he alone is perfect at relationship. And not only that, but, but we, as important as our relationships are with each other, and different kinds of relationships, you know, parents, children, family, friends, and pastors, and, and church family, those are all important. But if we are looking to people to fill the need of relationship in our lives, we will come up short. And, it will, and we will become hurt in some way or another because the only way that relationship need can be met is, first of all, with our relationship with the Lord. First and most importantly, with Him. And then out of his, the relationship with Him, then all the other relationships can flow from that. So, one of the scriptures I used last time <clears throat> is Romans 5, 10 and 11. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Has made us friends with God. So we talked about that some. And then one other highlight from, or at least to me, from from last time that, that the Lord showed me that there was two servants... To, a relate, to relationship. Two things that serve relationship and that are needed for successful relationship. And those two things were emotion and devotion. Emotion and devotion. So emotion, just quickly, is the, is the part of the relationship that is passionate. It's exciting. It's, it's energetic. And, and, the, and the power and excitement in it, in it Oh, I'm feeling a little bit of it right now. It moves us to take an action. Moves us often to take significant action. I mean, that's the part of a relationship that people fall in love. Well, that's what moves them to do something serious, like get married. What? You have to feel something fairly strong to take that step. And that is a servant in a relationship. That is important in a relationship. But the other part of relationship is devotion. Because emotion wasn't meant for the long haul. It was meant for specific points and times. But devotion was meant for the long term. Yes. It was meant, it's meant to, con- to continue something. To um, What are the other words I have here? Commitment, endurance, to be a sustaining force to something. And it's what keeps us in that relationship. So 
both, both are needed, and one is not more important than the other. You don't want to have too much emotion, or else it's easy to be offended. It's easy to move on. It's easy to be unstable. But you can't have too much devotion either, or else it becomes dry and restrictive and isolated and really tiring. So we have to have both. And that's in our natural relationships. But think about that in your relationship with the Lord. I mean, our natural relationships are maybe easier for us to see and understand because we deal with them all the time. But they're patterned after our relationship with him. And we can learn a lot of lessons from natural relationships that apply to the spirit and the spirit relationships that we have with our Lord. So keep that in mind. And I, f- and I feel like, like last time, the Lord would say to each one of us, come and get to know me for yourself. Come and get to know me for yourself. And I think that that is an invitation and a challenge. So, challenge accepted. So, that's the review. You guys need to go on the website, because that was a good message. I'm partial, probably, but... Although I haven't listened to it, because if I listen to it, I'm sure I'll find some things that needed correcting or improving, so... Y'all are so loving. Hunger and thirst is where I'm going this morning, first of all. Hunger and thirst. I'm going to go to Psalm 63. So you can turn there if you brought your Bible. By the way, how many of you brought your Bible today? Or an electronic version? Whoop, whoop. You know, when you come to church, somebody said this, you need to bring your Bible, a notebook, and a seed. And so... I think that I'm just, I was just taking that in, like, yeah, a Bible, a notebook, and a seed. So anyways, I got my Bible here this morning. Some of you do too. That's awesome. And that's why technology has helped us out, because then we, you all can be on the same uh, translation I am, because I, I use lots of translations in the Bible. It's hard to keep up if you don't have the, if you're not reading the same one, it's easier to be on the same page. But Psalm 63, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. I know some of you are not surprised by that. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Oh God of my life, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst with the deepest longings to love you more, with cravings in my heart that can't be described. Such yearnings grip my soul for you, my God. I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory. For your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. How I love you and praise you, God. And daily I will worship you passionately with all my heart. My arms will wave to you like banners of praise. I overflow with praise when I come before you. For the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. And you are such a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. I lie awake each night thinking of you and reflecting on how you help me like a father. I sing through the night under your splendor shadow, offering up to you my songs of delight and joy. And with passion I pursue you and cling to you, because I feel the grip, your grip on my life, and I keep my soul close to your heart. Can I get a hashtag relationship goals? 
what makes, what brought David to the place of expressing his love for the Lord like this? And, I, and reading, when I was reading that earlier this week, this is a picture. I mean, we're used to seeing pictures, and this is a picture. But this picture isn't fake. It wasn't made up. It was real, and it was authentic. And he, and he was expressing himself to the Lord, and to the Lord only. And it's a picture, I believe, for us today that, that this kind of love for the Lord is available. And not just available, but it, it's attainable for all of us. But what, but what makes, it, what makes someone feel like this and, and respond to the Lord like this? And like, why don't we all love the Lord this much? Or express it like this? That was the question that came to my heart this, this week. And I felt the Lord tell me, it's because love is a choice. Love is a choice. And, and we can be as much or as little in love with our Lord as we want to be. And that's why, and that's why a, a loving response like this to the Lord means so much to him, I think. Because we know that God loves us. We know that. We know that and we appreciate it. And it is so important to know your value and your worth to God Most High. Because that is the message that he sent. I love you. But that is only half of a relationship. And so when we, retu- when we willingly return our love and affection to him, like, just think about that. Almighty God has a, has a desire to be loved like we like, that w- just like we have a desire to be loved. And we hold the power of giving him that pleasure. Pause for effect. So, I want to just focus on hunger and thirst here because just in this psalm, verse 1, I will thirst with the deepest longings to love you more with cravings in my heart that can't be described. And then in verse 2, I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory. There it is, drink. Down in verse 5, for the anointing of your presence satisfies me. You are such a rich banquet of pleasure. And I just felt like, we should. what is it about hunger and thirst? And it... And I think if we look at some of, if we look at natural hunger and thirst, it will show us and give us some insight into what spiritual hunger and thirst is, and what we, and why we need it, and what we can do about it. So, I was just thinking here about about what hunger and thirst are, because I, I, I could have maybe gone to the dictionary. I never thought of that. But what came to me is that they are signals. Hunger and thirst are signals. 
there's signals to our body that a resupply is needed in order to maintain good health and proper functioning. So, um, does anyone has anyone ever heard of or ever watched the show on the History Channel Alone? You, this is my crowd right here, <laughs> Leonard. So the premise of Alone, it's a reality show. They take 10 survival experts and they take them to some rugged country where no one should be and they drop them off separately to their own camps to be alone. And the point of the, the game is to last longer than anyone else. And if you do, you win the cash prize. But you don't know what anyone else is doing. You don't know how long it's going to take and you have no communication with the outside world at all. They do all their own camera work, so the only time they see someone is when the medical crew comes in to check on them. And it's crazy, why would anyone do that? It's crazy. But on that show, like we all know when we're hungry, but on that show it really has revealed to me that there are different levels of hunger and thirst. And some of these people are, get to such an extreme state of hunger that I don't know if I've ever seen anyone not be pulled. Well, maybe there's been a few injuries that have made people come out of the game, but most tap out of the game or are pulled out of that game because of hunger. And not just a little bit of hunger, because their bodies are starving and will start shutting down if they don't start eating. And that's extreme hunger and thirst. And it starts to do some weird things to them. It start, you start to see the symptoms of hunger and thirst. And the first one that comes to my mind is being hangry. And you don't have to be starving in the remote place, places to be hangry, am I right? Hangry, angry because you're hungry, hangry, right? But some of, these, some of the physical signs of hunger are, are a feeling of emptiness. Duh. Feeling of emptiness. Rumbling and growling, irritability, lack of concentration, and even headache and nausea. And some symptoms of physical thirst that are a little bit different are even blurred vision and fatigue. Are you got, I'm getting really, just hold on a second. I don't know if this is a good message before lunch, but we're just going to go with it. <clears throat> so some extreme symptoms. And if you take these natural symptoms and think of them in the spirit, think of what it means to feel empty on the inside. Think of what it, what it feels to have like that rumbling and growling, unsatisfied feeling, or to be irritated on the inside, to not be able to concentrate or like grab hold of what you think you should and just to not have a concentration to do that, and even physically feeling it in your body with a sickness or something like that. What about blurred vision in the spirit realm? That could get us in trouble. If we can't see clearly, and feeling fatigued, worn out, and tired on the inside. How many can relate to some of these symptoms? I know I can. But there's something that, that can and should keep us out of these, out of this extreme, out of these extreme symptoms. And that's a hunger and thirst for the Lord. And in the natural, we don't have a control over how, hung, how our hunger and thirst comes and goes. But in the spirit, we do. In the spirit, we decide when we're hungry and when we're thirsty. 
But whether we decide it or not, symptoms will still show up. Our, 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 who we are on the inside is our real person. And our soul will get tired. Our soul will get irritated more easily. Our soul can feel empty if we're not feeding it with the Spirit. So, they are signals, hunger and thirst are signals that can't be satisfied without a response, without doing something about it. So what will satisfy, we know what what to do when we're hungry and thirsty in the natural, obviously. We go to shivers. I mean, one get more hungry for ice cream in the summer than they should be, like, and I'm like, there's no way to get rid of this ice cream craving than to just go have ice cream. I, I don't know. That's just me, probably. But what will satisfy spiritual hunger and thirst, though? John six thirty two. You can turn there if you brought your Bible. John six thirty two. This is from the New Living. Jesus said, "I tell you the truth." Moses didn't. Okay, let me just. I better set this up. So Jesus, he, he's like right in the thick of his ministry here on earth. And he, he just fed a crowd of people miraculously by food multiplying. And the next day, that same group of people that he just fed, all of a sudden they're at his, they're, they're like, here we are, hungry. And they were hungry. And they just thought, well, this man, he just makes food out of nothing. We'll just follow him around. This will be great. And Jesus, seeing that that was the only reason why they were there, and they had bread on the brain, so he's, I believe that he, the Spirit then was like, talk to them about bread. That's what they're thinking about, so talk to them in those terms. If they're hungry in the natural, talk to them about hunger in the spiritual. So Jesus, this is like, so and they, and they even start, talk, they started talking about Moses. Well, Moses, he gave the Israelites food from heaven, bread from heaven, because they felt really spiritual. So they're telling Jesus a thing or two. Moses gave them bread from heaven. And then Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Hashtag truth. Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. My father did. So just he set that straight just so that they were looking in the right place. And now he offers you the true bread of heaven. And the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And sir, they said, give us that bread every day. They're still thinking natural bread. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Could you just imagine their faces? Like, hmm. Like, I could just, like, just a hush come over the crowd. Okay. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, Jesus is using their natural circumstances to help them see the spiritual circumstances going on. And... I had, I've never seen this before, but two words jumped out of this passage to me because, because I want to understand that too. I understand physical hunger. I eat. Spiritual hunger, how do we eat? How do we eat that way? And so 
these two words that just came alive to me, and it's, whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So how we eat and drink in the Spirit is by coming to Jesus and by believing in him. Coming and believing will satisfy hunger and thirst for the Lord. Coming and believing. So, I'll put it to you this way. Those people had it right. They said, give us that bread every day. Well, they had something right there. Every day. They had that right. And I, I think Jesus would have been like, you are right about that. Every day. Because we need a steady diet of coming to Jesus and believing in him. A steady diet. Come in every day and believing in him. So what is the result then of the, I'm just going to call it the Jesus diet. You know, it's all about diets. Keto, whatever. This is the Jesus diet because it's for the spirit. It's for your inside. The Jesus diet. What will this lead to? What will this regular diet of coming to him and believing in him do for you? Well, it will, it will cause you to have a real relationship with him. Real relationship with him. It will bring real relationship. You know, David, in, when we read there in Psalm 63, he didn't, just, he didn't just find out who God was in this moment. Him and the Lord had some history together. They'd spent some time together. They'd had some words together. I mean, they'd won some major victories together. I mean, the Lord had helped him kill the lion and the bear. The Lord had helped him kill Goliath. The Lord helped raise him up to be king. They had some history together. There was some trust built. Some conversations had. And out of that, experiencing time with the Lord and coming to him, believing in him, came this love, came this real relationship. You know, relationships just in general for anybody at any time, I think really are built on two things. I think relationships are built on time and conversation. I mean, time, if you think about it, Time is our most valuable currency. I mean, money comes, money goes. We spend money here. We earn money here, there. And, and it comes and goes. Even valuable possessions. I mean, you buy some new shoes. They're old in a month and you need new ones. Right, ladies? <laughs> no, no. I don't get shoes every month, but maybe I should. We should. Thank you for the confirmation. But time, like think about it. This minute here that I'm using to talk to you, well, I can never spend it again. You will never get this minute back. You will never get this morning back. It's, you only get one. So the value in your time is more that It's the most valuable currency. So that's why when you spend time in a relationship, that really places value on it. But within a relationship, you also, you can't just have, you can't just sit there and stare at each other. That would be weird. Awkward. But there needs to be conversation. A back and forth. 
not one side talking all the time. I've been in there before. Like, your ear gets tired from listening. Or, or one side where you're just listening all the time and, and that person doesn't get to know you. But it can't be one-sided. It's got to be a conversation, not a monologue. So time and conversation are needed and vital in our, in our relationship with Jesus. Now, I want to read a little bit here from... This is... I'm going to read it. This is an article by Sarah Pearson's. She's married to Jeremy Pearsons, who's Kenneth Copeland's grandson, and they have a ministry called Pearsons Ministry International, and they are they're a lovely couple, and the Lord has spoken to me and Ryan and so many others, like really strongly from, their, from the revelation that God has given them, and they are just fresh and fun. So if you have never heard of them, check them out. Pearsons Ministry International, this is their free uh, quarterly little magazine they put out. And it's free. So if you want one, you can get one. You just find their website. They've got app. They've got, they're on YouTube. Um, and these will be available at the Post. Whoop. They'll, be, they'll be available at our bookstore called The Post when we open. So, But you probably don't want to wait till then. You want to get it now, I'm sure. But this article I'm reading from her is called Get Your Own God. And I'm just going to read a portion of it. Throughout Scripture, we see real people who had real relationships with God that produced real results. Results don't come without relationship. This faith life that we are living is not just a set of rules and regulations or steps and methods to get what we want. It's an opportunity to have a living communion with our awesome God. A good relationship is the result of a lot of good conversations, and we were meant to have words between us and him. It takes two people to have a really good conversation, and if one person is talking the whole time and the other can't get a word in to respond, there will be no growth, nothing special to build upon, and no real relationship between them. But God is after real, real relationships with us. Did you hear that? God is after real relationships with us. He longs for continual conversation. He no longer wants to be endured, but enjoyed. He longs to love and to be loved. That's a relationship. And real relationship with him is very vital. Because real relationship is the only way that we can have real faith. Real faith. Not fake faith. Not something we, that looks and sounds like faith, but real faith. So I want to talk about that. Real relationship with Jesus is so vital because it not only meets the need we have for relationship, to be loved and accepted, but this real relationship with him is how we receive all the benefits that have been promised to us by God, by being a part of his family. Real relationship will bring real faith. 
And if we go back to John 6.35, whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Well, why come? Why come to Jesus? Well, coming and showing up is how we get to know someone. And the more we get to know someone, the more we trust them. And the more we trust them, well, the easier it is for us to believe them or to have faith in them. I was thinking of what an example could be of this. And I'll put it this way. Let's say, let's say you, uh, so you needed your, your lawn cut. For some reason, maybe your mower broke down or your cow stopped eating grass or something. I don't know. But you needed to have your lawn mowed. And, well, someone just came up to you like, I don't know who would do this. Probably, like, here, I'll use Candy. She's here today. So you're talking to Candy, and she says, oh, well, Fallon, she'll come cut your lawn tomorrow afternoon. And you're like, yes, awesome. Now, but let me ask you, could you have faith that I would show up tomorrow and cut your lawn based on what Candy said? Or I could put it like this, should you have faith? Maybe because you know her and she's trustworthy, but is that enough? The answer is no. It's not. Because those were not my words. I didn't say them to you. So for us to just pick something random to believe, even if it's in God's word, and just say, well, I believe it. That is not real faith. And you're going to see this as it pans out. But let's say, now that you and I, like you've had, you have the lawn problem, and you and I have spent some time together over this summer, you know? So we had some barbecues, maybe some campfires together. We've had lots of chats, and, you know, we kind of know what's going on in each other's lives. And it come up in our conversations together that you're having a problem with your lawn, and you just can't, it just needs to be cut. But, and it comes to me, and the opportunity presents itself, hey, I have a mower. I'll come and cut your lawn tomorrow. Can you have faith then that I would be there to cut your lawn tomorrow? You can. I said it. You heard it from me. We have built a relationship that I have proven trustworthy already to you in. So yes, you can have real faith based on our relationship, and based on what I said to you. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? Real faith comes from real relationship. What did the Lord say to you? What did he show you? Okay? You guys doing okay? Good. So, Real relationship leads to real faith. But why is real faith so important? Because it's only with real faith that we get real results. 
real results. There is no one more interested in you getting real results in your life than Father God. He did not send his son to the earth to go through what he went through, death, hell, and the grave, and the scourge, and the bruise. He didn't go through that for us to not get the results and the benefit of it. And so many believers are not getting results. And I think if there's anything that hurts the Father, that would be it. So he wants you to have results in your life with all that he is and all that he has, and he proved that through Jesus. And I think that the church, that, that we're waking up and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to show us how to get results and even show us and be willing to, to see, wow, I see where I went wrong there. Because if, if God has provided the results and he never fails, then faith, real faith, will never fail. It cannot. So f- what we have termed faith failures are not, that's a, that's a misrepresentation of what's happened. Faith failures, that's not a real thing. But failure in our willingness and, yeah, in our want to, sometimes out of ignorance, but sometimes because we have chosen not to come, not to come to Jesus and be around him. That's why we have failures to get results. And I think that that's actually good news. Because if it was something on God's end that was wrong, we wouldn't stand a chance. It'd be like, well, whatever happens, happens then, because I can't change God, I can't do his part. Well, the only part we have to play is our own. And if something's not working, good news, he'll show us how to fix it. He is so interested in real results in your life. So, instead of just telling you that, I kind of want you to leave. You guys are all good? I can go a little further here. Because I want you to leave with, with, well, how do I get real results then? What am I looking for? What do real results look like? Or how do I, what is that, what does that real faith and real results look like? So, if you come with me to Romans 10, Romans 10, 17. I'm going to read this in the, NASB, to start here. So faith, and we could put, so real faith, just because that's what we're talking about, comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Now, I just want to take this verse apart a little bit and and look at some of these words, because it's just a rich treasury for us. So I'm going to start with the word word, which is many times translated either in the Greek, uh, translated from the Greek. So it's either logos or rhema. In this particular verse, it's rhema, but rhema and logos go together. They can't be separated. One without the other is without any kind of power or good to us. So we can't make one better than the other. So logos 
is, I am definitely no Greek scholar, so if you are, please correct me or just tell me afterwards. <laughs> no, but logos, it's, it's often referred to as the written word, but it's, it shouldn't be confined just to written word because it also refers to spoken word, but it's the message. And I was thinking, of, it's like the full expression of, of God, who he is, how he works, his desires, his will. It's the full expression, and, it, and, it, and it's written. He, he used people to write it down for us so that we would always have it. And I just think that's beautiful. He gave us that as a gift. And so if it's the whole message, then what I'm, what I'm presenting is that the rhema word then that faith comes from is a specifically communicated word from the full message. And, it's, and it, it also has meanings of being clearly and vividly communicated for something specific at a specific time and for a specific purpose. So when we are coming to Jesus, how do we do that? First of all, we come to the Logos. We come to the Word. Because this is God's full expression, his full message to us. So coming to Jesus starts with coming to his Logos Word. And when we do that, that's when the spirit on the inside of us is able to take the logos and bring out a rhema word for us. Something specific that we need in our life right, right in this instant. And then we, we are to use that rhema like a sword. And that is what we do. And it carries something. And the reason why it works out that way is it has something special in it. And that something special is called the anointing. So let's look at... Let's look at that last word. And the last part of that verse says, so hearing comes, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of Christ. Well, Christ is not Jesus' last name. He didn't write his checks, J. Christ. That was, that was a title that he was given. And I don't have time to go into it all. And I'm, like I said, I'm not an expert. But what it means, Kenneth Copeland has told us, that the word Christ, when you read it in the Bible, you should translate it in your head, the anointed one and his anointing. So if we read that, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of the anointed one and his anointing. And that's what we need to get results. Because this is a big message. There's a lot in here. So what are you basing your faith on? Your specific faith for what you're dealing with today. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's something in your body that needs to be healed or made right. Maybe it's your family situation. Maybe you need a job. Maybe you are believing for a new house or a new car or even the right pet. Well, what are you basing your faith on? 
Yeah, we know that the blessing belongs to us. We know that God loves us and all. He's provided all these things. But that's not specific enough to bring results, especially when we're maturing in our, in our, when we're becoming more mature in our spirit on the inside. So, Christ is the anointed one and his anointing. Let's just look at anointing real quick here. The anointing. That's kind of a churchy word if I've ever heard one. What is that anyways, right? The anointing. We know it's good. We know it's God. And we know we need it. But um, Sarah Pearson's, her husband Jeremy Pearson's, has been talking about the anointing lately. And he's like, and he grew up in church. I mean, he called his family the household of faith. And uh, it he, his, um, I think his son was maybe seven or eight, and he asked him, well, Dad, what's the anointing? And Jeremy's like, ugh, I know what it is. I just, how do I say it? So Kenneth Copeland has described the anointing as the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of the Almighty God. The burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of the Almighty God. In Luke 4, starting in 18, Jesus reveals to us that he was anointed. He had the anointing on him and in him, and that's when he began to see results. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I had to, like, drop the mic. So he was anointed, and that was a list of results from his anointing. And talk about a list of burdens that he came to break and set people free from. But he wasn't and isn't the only one that, will, that was ever anointed. Jesus said in Acts later on, he was getting ready to go to the Father. And he said to his disciples, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then down in verse 8 he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the ends of the earth where we live. So the anointed one and his anointing was given to us and we became the anointed as well. We're the anointeds. The anointeds. When you become born again, you come into this anointing.
So the burden removing, yoke destroying. Does anyone, does anyone really know what a yoke is? I think I, I kind of know, but I've never really, I don't know if I've ever really, maybe I've seen one in person. Have I seen, do you have yokes, Paul? Or? Yeah, it, yeah, so I've seen it in that application. Um, but I guess it, in my mind, I think Bible times, I think big old oxen with this big yoke on them that bind, joins them together. Same idea. So yoke destroying. Well, binds you to the work. Binds you to the work. And here, the, the yoke is a burden. It's tied to work. And it's tied to somebody who is not God. We do. Jesus came to break the yoke of burden and us being connected to Satan. But there is a right yoke that we, should, that we can have in our lives. Isaiah 10 says, It shall come to pass in that day that this burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from around your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. So this old yoke that connects us to the world and sin, that was, being, that was destroyed because of the anointing that Jesus had on his life to break it. And then in Matthew 11 Verse 28, then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. A yoke is used to join two animals to work as one. We are to be joined and yoked to Jesus, working together as one, working together as one with him. But we have to, we have to choose that. He doesn't force his yoke on us. And he says his yoke is easy and light. And you know what I think that that yoke is, I think that's coming and believing. That's a lot easier, though, than carrying the burden of sickness in your body. That's a lot easier than not being able to pay your bills. I'd say it's a better way. Amen? That's a better way. That's a way better yoke. So going back to Romans 10, 17, I have a little rewrite that I made, so if I ever do a translation of the Bible, this will be in it. This is my first verse that I've translated, so don't expect anything too soon for a complete edition. But my rewrite would go something like this. So real faith comes from hearing a clearly communicated, specific message at the right time that transmits the anointing to us from the anointed one which brings us real results burden removing yoke destroying results this is going to be a long bible because that was a very long verse that I just said I'm going to read it to you again what? unabridged yeah. so real faith comes from hearing a clearly communicated specific message 
at the right time that transmits the anointing to us from the anointed one, which brings us real results, burden-removing, yoke-destroying results. Real faith will never fail. It will it cannot fail. It's God's faith to begin with. It, it cannot fail. The reason why it fails is because our relationship is not strong enough. And the good news is, is that we can we can grow a relationship. Just some time is all it takes. Some communication, some history. Real faith is not something that is hard because it just comes from real relationship. Come into his word. I want to read just a little bit more from Sarah's article here. Thank you, Jesus. There comes a time in your life when you have to develop your own faith in God. Your own faith in God. If you want to receive all that he has planned for you, you need your own living communion with Jesus. And then from that fellowship, from that relationship, faith will freely flow. If you'll let his love fan the flame of your heart and then respond with a fiery faith, it will burn up everything that comes against you. And at some point, mama's and daddy's faith won't cut it. Grandma and grandpa's faith won't be enough. Not even your pastor or your friends will be able to carry you any further. You'll need faith of your own. Faith in God will give you a story that gives him glory. So go ahead. Get your own God. And the good news is he's only a breath away So reach out and take him as your own. Your own God. Your own relationship with him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. I just feel like some of you here are hearing him. That's him. Be encouraged. He just wants me to confirm to you that that is his voice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you all just stand? on the kingdom to his son Solomon one part of the landscape was that David is charging Solomon to to build the temple 
But David had already made a lot of the provision. He'd gathered the stones and he'd gathered the gold and the silver and he gathered the lumber and now he was charging Solomon to do the job, to follow through. And part of the char- part of the charge that David gave to Solomon included these words. David said to Solomon, Now take this seriously. David charged Solomon. He said, Now take these words. Take this this um, this charge, this word from God for you, Solomon. Now take this seriously. Beloved, I believe this morning we've heard from God. I believe Fallon has brought us a word from God. But I believe the charge to us now is now take this seriously. This impinges on our daily lives. It it impinges on our schedule. It impinges on on our relationships, on our values, what we do with our life. But the word of God to us this morning, with, in, together with Fallon, has shared. The word of God is confirmed by these words. Now take this seriously. And I believe that Fallon's exhortation to us is by the Spirit of God this morning. And that it, that it, that affects, it is intended by the Spirit of God to infect to affect our walk today and tomorrow and to affect the, the place, the position that Jesus has, our passion, our, our relationship, our intimacy, our pursuit of Him. I believe the Word of God to us this morning is, now take this seriously. I'm not taking away from found. I'm saying together with found. The Word of the Spirit is, now take this seriously. I believe as a church, I believe as a local church, I believe as the body of Christ in the Western world, this, this word comes to us, to all the church, to the body of Christ, but it has come this morning to us as well. And so the charges now take this seriously. I believe, I believe we should, Fallon, before we run off this morning, I believe we should just sit for a while. And just assimilate, just allow the word, allow the word to settle. Turn, turn, turn that up down a bit for us, this, that nice music that just soothes us and, and allows the Spirit of God to, to settle in and cause His word to live in us. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, we look at you right now. Turn our eyes to you, we turn our thoughts to you. Oh, we love you. We love you. And we desire to love you more. Jesus. Jesus in your life, but picture him in all the areas of your, his, of your life. What does he look like at work? 
What does he look like? What is he saying about your health? What does he think about things that you're thinking about? And just picture him getting involved. Picture him helping you with things that might even seem small or that they don't matter. What does he look like in your family? to us I will feed you with my spiritual bread and you will feast and you will feast and be satisfied with me feeding on my revelation my revelation truth like honey dripping from the cliffs of the high place. Your revelation, Jesus, your truth is sweet to us. We receive it. We receive it. I receive your truth, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. The sweet presence of the Lord that we have here this morning is not meant to stay here. The sweet presence of the Lord is for you to feast on all day, every day. Breakfast, lunch, supper, snacks. Jesus, his word. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching us, revealing to us all we need to know. And we will respond. And we choose to love him back. Amen. We choose to be hungry and thirsty for him. We choose it because he deserves it. He deserves that kind of love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you would like to have prayer today, someone to stand with you, something specific, or if you just want to have some time with, with Jesus, you can do it anywhere, but the altar is a safe place for you to come. So come if you if you want. Thank you, Jesus.
really makes a difference when he shows up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Make sure you give someone a hug before you leave today. Let them know that you love them, that God loves them, that they matter, they're doing a good job. Let's be a church that builds each other up. Builds each other up. Have a great week. And we will see you here next week. We'll be back. Thank you, Lord. You're dismissed.